0: hey, I'm still Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to trap him by what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. You don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality. Tell us then, What do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Perceiving their malicious intent, Jesus said, why are you testing me hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. They brought him a denarius. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, they said to him. Then he said to them, give then to Caesar, the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. We see a similar account of this in Mark's gospel and in Luke's gospel, uh, and it's referred to as uh, a denarius, but Matthew also uses a more precise term for the state coin. This could be indicative of his background as a tax collector. Matthew himself, our earthly author through whom this text was inspired by the Holy Spirit, was literally firsthand acquainted with this legal tender of the Roman Empire. It bore the face of Caesar, and it also had written on it, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Coinage also had a Pagan imagery of a goddess and priestly robes. It it was propaganda for worship of the Roman emperor. And so it was doubly offensive to Jews to be forced to pay this tax, a day's wage. We talked about that in our sermon this, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. Wherein the whole uh, the, the the whole basis for the for the currency was on a day's wage. That was what a Roman soldier was paid in one day, and uh, that was what in the parable of uh, the parable of, one of the parables of the vineyard owner was paid to everybody who showed up, whether they showed up at 6 a.m. or 5 p.m., <laughs> and worked only for an hour. They were each paid a denarius. So this was doubly offensive to Jews who had to pay this imposing tax. It was a poll tax indicating it was a per capita tax, as though you were owned by Rome yourself, and you had to pay it, not based on the work that you did, but just because you exist, you owe them money, as though you owe them for your existence, as though you were property of the empire. And moreover, the coin that you were forced to use had pagan imagery on it, so it was particularly grotesque in the eyes of of Jewish leadership to have to pay this tax. This, however, was a trap. Knowing all the tension that existed within the Jewish community, Roman authority, uh, you know, Jewish independence, those two things were paradoxically all set in this in this concoction of political tension and religious tension that would explode just a couple of decades after the ascension of Jesus into heaven, uh, when when Jesus would Ascend to heaven, uh, roughly around 33 years old, in the year A.D. 70, right, just 27 years later, uh, the Romans would come in and sack Jerusalem and dismantle the temple. So that was all boiling. And uh, when these Herodians, by the way, we don't know a lot about who the Herodians were, but it's likely that these were Pharisees who preferred the dynastic reign of of the Herods to Roman rule. Uh, these Herodians, and then not just the Pharisees, but the disciples of the Pharisees. They've all come, uh, and, and they, start off, uh, they start off by ingratiating themselves. Um, this is a Benedictie, we've seen this before, where they show up, and they first want to try to ingratiate themselves with Jesus. And so, with great insincerity, they're sitting there setting a trap, but they're trying, to, they're trying to schmooze Jesus, they're kissing up to Jesus. Teacher, they call Him, start off right away. <laughs> all right, He's Lord. He's not just a teacher. We see people call him teacher who, and and oftentimes it's people who don't really believe in him. Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. They don't believe that for a minute. They are full of it. They're trying to suck up to Jesus and it shows how idiotic they are. They're already being disrespectful. He knows their thoughts for crying out loud. You are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. If that were the case, they wouldn't be setting this trap. If that were the case, they would be following Jesus. If that were the case, they wouldn't be plotting his murder. You don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality. Even this has duplicitous terms to it because they're trying to trap him. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? What an idiotic question. Of course, it's lawful to obey the law, (laughs) but the trap was this. If Jesus told them not to pay taxes to Caesar, then he would have been guilty of treason against Rome. And if Jesus had said, yes, absolutely pay these taxes, it is lawful and good, then they could have accused him of forsaking the Jewish nation state. It was a trap, as he always does in these moments. Jesus does not take door number one or door number two, the two options given him by the Pharisees, and in this case, the Pharisees' representatives. He always takes door number three of his own making. And what he does drives home a beautiful teaching about the doctrine of the imago dei that we're all made in the image of God. Why are you testing me, hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. They brought him a denarius. Whose image and inscription is this? Caesar's, they said to him that it bears the image of Caesar. It belongs then to Caesar. You and I bear the image of God and we belong to Him, not to the governmental system who presides over us. We belong to Him. It is lawful to pay taxes. This is Caesar's realm and we do what Caesar says in the meantime original recipients of the book of 1 Peter, of the book of Romans, particularly chapter 13, would have really had a hard time stomaching what it says, because they were told to honor the emperor in Peter's letter to the persecuted church, in Paul's letter to the Romans. And at that point, their emperor was slaughtering their brothers and sisters, was burning Christians alive, watching as Christians were eaten by lions in the Colosseum and they're supposed to submit to this governing authority? Yes. Those governing authorities, however, are all going to answer to God. They will all answer to Him. Every governmental system that has ever existed will one day answer to the ultimate government, and that is God on His throne. See Romans 13, 1-7 and 1 Peter 2, 13-17. We, meanwhile, answer to God for how we adhere to The governmental structures that preside over us. The only time in which we as Christians become outlaws is when our governments outlaw evangelism, because the Great Commission, the final teaching of this very book of Matthew, is given with all the authority of heaven and of earth. So that's where we become a bunch of righteous lawbreakers. I've smuggled Bibles myself before, and I've watched God miraculously shut down the security machines as we walk up. It's really, really incredible. God God helped me break man's law. But in the interim, I pay my taxes. I've got to pay my taxes. I'm going to render under Caesar that which is Caesar's, but I am God's. So this poll tax, it was impotent of Caesar to act as though he owned all the people. God owns everyone, including Caesar himself. Though Caesar posits himself as a deity, God is the one to whom he will ultimately answer. And so we do render taxes unto Caesar. In this New Testament era, according to Romans 13, God has entrusted to earthly institutions, earthly governments, the authority, the power of the sword to punish those who do wrong. He doesn't bear the sword for no reason. Okay? And so for this reason, God has entrusted that now to secular in- entities. In the Old Testament, your tithe was your tax because the, govern- the, the, the reigning governmental body was, in fact, in the context of theocratic Old Testament Israel, the temple. So the priests then were the direct servants of the one who ruled Israel. And, and ultimately, the one who ruled Israel was God Himself. And now in the New Testament era, we give whatever is in our hearts. Okay, We've talked about this, see our study in 1 Corinthians into the fray, particularly in chapter 9. We talked about this very, this very concept. So what Jesus gave was a brilliant way to not just evade the the false dichotomy that was set forth by the pharisees disciples and by the herodians but it was really a way to obliterate that and give another teaching instead we belong to god we bear his inscription no government will ever own you we'll pay taxes in the meantime because we answer to god for how we answer to the authorities that have been established over us but those authorities will all ultimately one day answer to God who owns absolutely everything. Observe Jesus' divine, perfect shrewdness, exemplifying and proving once more that He is the Logos. He is the Word personified, the Word who was taken on in flesh. These little Pharisees' disciples and these Herodians didn't stand a chance. They walked up and Jesus already immediately knew their hypocrisy He knew their intent and his response is amazing. Even they were amazed when they heard this, they were amazed. Verse 22 says, so they left him and went away. Now, in tomorrow's text, we're going to look at an encounter with people who denied the resurrection, people who believed, get this, that when you die, nothing happens. You just cease to exist. Sound familiar? Sounds like atheism, right? This was actually the Sadducees. So I'll see you tomorrow.